You just had a dance party right now, didn't you? Come on, admit it. That was some awesome music provided by my friend, DJStevePowers.com. Welcome to episode one of Remix Radio. I'm your host, Stephen Knuth, and I'm the founder of Remix Design and Media. We are a creative marketing firm located in Nashville, Tennessee, and you can find out more about us online at www.remix.us. Welcome to the show. The mission of this program is to interview entrepreneurs and leaders who are making an impact in the marketplace. Our goal is to provide information to help you and your business grow to the next level. Today, I'm excited to interview my friend, blogger, and successful entrepreneur, Andy Nathan from StartupGap.com. Andy, welcome to Remix Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen, and this is cool to be on. I'm your first your first guest. That's always awesome. You're my first guest. I mean, that the honor is, is yours. No one else can take that from you. Yes. I'm going to send you a plaque in the mail. I, I, I will expect it. <laughs> All right. So, Andy, where are you from? I am... Born and bred in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. We have lots of good pizza here. You do. I've tried the deep dish there. I like it, actually. It's a good place. It is. So, yeah, it's. I know those New Yorkers to think that they have good ones. I'm, I'm actually going there soon, so I'll let them know if they're wrong. Well, the competition has begun. Absolutely. Okay, Andy. So, from what I know about you, you own the website StartupGap.com, and your mission is a website to help entrepreneurs to build dreams and success so can you tell me a little bit more about your mission and and your core values of startup gap absolutely a lot of what happened with startup gap is that i was writing another book called e-marketing experience and i was thinking about how a business starts and because you know social media takes a little while to get going and one of the things that sort of hit me was look it you know with entrepreneurs there's this big gap and you know, a lot of people don't talk about it, but between your dreams and success, there's a lot of hard work, there's a lot of effort, there's blood, sweat, and tears, if you want to use that analogy, that has to happen for you to reach your goal. And one of the things that I wanted to just talk about was, hey, look, what do people actually do during that time? Because it, it, it's not all glory. I mean, you know, you, you talk about companies that are like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates with, with their respective companies, and everyone says how, what, how amazing their products are. The problem is that they didn't start out that way. Uh, one of the things that I always found was interesting, if you, look, if you go on Wikipedia for Bill Gates, it says Bill Gates started his company in 1976. Two lines... Two lines down from that, it says in 1980 he then sold the company, or he then sold his first software for Microsoft to IBM, which is what helped him launch his career. Well, that's four years that Wikipedia just spent two lines on. For me, that's that's ridiculous because you know you're talking about four years out of his life that we're not really examining, and those are the four crucial years that really determine the success of his company. So I wanted to really get in and focus on that because I, I saw that as being such an important part of business. And if we understand that for, for, for business owners, it really does help us understand. So every week what we do is we interview somebody. Uh, we've had on amazing people like Joel Kamm, Christy Hines. Uh, we had Amy Baxter, Dan Antonelli. We're going to have some more amazing people next month. Actually, uh, Steven's going to be on. And also we're going to have David Scott Meerman 
and among others. And one of the things is that they all have these really cool stories about how they got started. And so just taking Joe Com, who was one of the first one of the first people who came on, he started his business in 1994. And one of the things that he did was he was looking to get free games because he, he loved playing video games. And at the time you had to have it mailed to you and it would cost like 30 to 50 bucks per game. And he figured if he started up a gaming magazine, he could actually get free games because he would review the games in his magazine. So he started up this magazine. And at that time, that was when the web was coming out. And he went on the web and created an HTML site, which was the new thing at that time. And within about seven years, he, or 2000, I'm sorry, six years, 2000, he sold that company for seven figures to Yahoo. Holy so, crap. yeah, that's it, it's just you, you think about that. It's it's so amazing that somebody would start up in a, a, a company to get free games. And a few years later, you're selling you're selling it for millions of dollars. Well, what's I, amazing is that you, you think about Gary V's. If you don't know who Gary V is everyone, Gary Vaynerchuk, freaking amazing author. The book Crush It, right? Cash in on your passion. That's exactly what he did. He mm -hmm. was passionate about games. He turned it into seven figures. That, that's my mind is blown right now. Yeah, it's like what? What's that picture? Like you said, mine. I mean, like you know, it's absolutely the the things that they did, and you know, one of the things that you know, I, I, one of the things that Joel and I were talking about. I'm just gonna, since I was talking about him to start with was he he had this experience about somewhat midway through is one of the questions I asked, what was your biggest challenge that you had when you were getting started? And he said, look, there was a point where I came down to it and he got some venture financing to get everything started. And I had, I think he said like a buck and change left and I, I, I didn't know what to do. So he said, he talked to God. I said, I need help. And at that point, about a week later, he got, a large contract for like $5,000 a month from a client in like Japan out of nowhere. But the, the thing is, it's like there was that point where he was down to a dollar 50 in change. And that was all he had in his bank account. That's amazing. And, yeah. And I, it's, I, I know that happened to me once or twice when I started my company and part of it is like, you know, I, I thought at the time, like I must be the only entrepreneur who has a buck and change in my account. And when he's told me that story, I'm like, wow, that's like, cause you know, there's that point where you have to decide, what are you going to do? And you know, and, and that's what really for entrepreneurs, we have decisions that we make that most people will never make in their lives because they don't understand. Look, every single hour is important. Every single minute is important because that could be a sale. That could be some time that we actually close more business and actually help more clients. And that can be what makes the difference in our business. Absolutely. And since you're talking about entrepreneurs right now, um, I'm one, you're one, um, many of them in the world with there being so many entrepreneurs around us every day, what would you say would be the top things that entrepreneurs can do to stand out and not just stand out, we're on the verge of one year ending and the start of another in just a couple of days. And with that new start in everyone's lives, what do you think entrepreneurs should focus on 
in 2014? Like, what are going to be the big things that they will do that will stand out among everyone else? Okay. The cowboy attitude. You have to ditch it. There's an attitude among entrepreneurs that, hey, we're entrepreneurs. We go it alone. We do it alone. That's what makes us successful. And that's not true. And one of the things that I've always found is that the more I help other people and the more I work with other people to achieve my goals, the better off we all are. And it, it doesn't have to be you have a formal partnership. Sometimes it's informal. There's there's so many business partners that I have that we've never actually signed an agreement. But, you know, look, we, we trust each other. We build relationships with each other um, right before uh, right before you, right before we started this call, Stephen, I got a call from a former client of mine, haven't talked to her in about a year, and she called because she's like, look, nothing's really changed in the last year since I stopped working with you. And she knew that part of the reason why we stopped working was because she wasn't following up on the stuff I told her to follow up on. She said, well, what can we do? And I, and I went through it and I explained it. About 10 minutes later, one of my partners who, who did the web development work called me and he's like, look, you really have to call this lady back. I said, who do I have to call back? He said, it was the same lady. It was the same client. And, you know, he, you know, so he, I trust him. If, if somebody calls, if it's a former client of mine who calls him, he will make sure that they talk to me if it's something that I do and he knows what I do and vice versa. If it's something that I know he does and he does a lot of web development work, then I know for the most part I'm sending the business over to him because that's what he does and that's, you know, we have that implicit trust between us. So there's things that go on with entrepreneurs that you really do need to create those those trusting relationships. I've had, I've had partnerships where we had everything else go right, but because the two of us didn't interact right, the entire business failed. So understanding what works best between the two of you and an understanding how to actually work with other people is vital. Would you say that because blogging is still something that's so big today, that collaboration between entrepreneurs helping each other, possibly grouping up into a few entrepreneurs and giving each other's tasks to help grow each other's businesses, do you think that would be something that would be an effective way to help each other? Oh yeah, uh, a lot of one of the, one of the ways that I know I drive traffic through my sites is through blogger collaborations, uh, either guest posts, sharing each other's content. Th there's a lot of different ways that you could do it. But in the end, you really do have to create a collaboration with other bloggers because otherwise you're never really gonna be able to get that success that you need. And there is so much out there that you really have to do together that as bloggers, you know, building that community is, is huge. And there's people out there that you, you have to know you can trust. I, I guess that all comes back to that one word, trust. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And how have you used those topics that you were just talking about in your own business to elevate your success? 
One of the things that I've done is I have a lot of great relationships with other bloggers. Um, uh, Gail Gardner is a perfect example. She's an amazing person, and uh, her site, GrowMap, I've guest posted on numerous times, and we've developed a relationship over the years. And you know what? It's it it, it all actually it all started because I, I can't remember exactly how this happened, but about three four years ago. Uh, one of our mutual acquaintances, uh, Kim Castleberry, had put out a blog post. I commented, Gail commented, and I think I reached out to Gail and we just started talking on Skype. And, you know, we didn't talk that often, but every six months or so we would talk. And then we just started connecting with each other and learning from each other to see how we could help develop that relationship as bloggers. And I think, and I'm, I know that it's something that happened over time, but you know, you, you do have to connect with other bloggers just to reach out to them, and you do have to work with them and make sure that y you develop that relationship so you could actually get what you need and get what they need as well. And that's one of the things actually that I should bring up at this point that's so important. Don't look at just what you need. Look at what you could deliver in terms of value to others. So when I when I do uh when when I'm doing Startup Gap, one of the things that I'm making sure I'm doing. Yeah, I'm promoting Startup Gap, of course, but I also want to make sure I'm promoting the speakers as much as possible because they're the ones one who are going to be driving in the people to these shows. And also, they're the people who are going to actually get something out of it. Also, if they don't feel like they're getting something out of the show, they don't really want to join. And the people who, who get the most out of it and see that value will, will be are grateful. I hope so. And that's... That's my goal. I want to make sure that I do a good enough job promoting them that they they enjoyed it and they got some additional exposure out of it. It sounds to me like a key element in our conversation right now that I'm learning from you is what I believe in as well is collaboration, not competition. Absolutely. And I I don't have comp I don't have competitors. I, I'm sure there are people out there who do similar things to me, but I don't have any competitors. And do you feel that it would be a better strategy in 2014 if you had four software developers, let's say, since we were talking about Bill Gates a moment ago, mm -hmm. if you have four software developers all developing a um, type platform similar to Microsoft Word, and so you're saying that it would be better for them to collaborate and help each other versus competing and not helping each other and only the best out of that four succeed versus making them all the best and helping Absolutely. them grow. Yeah, look look at Facebook. Everyone complains about Facebook all the time. And there's a lot of things to complain about them. They've had, they have an ad system that's obviously been flawed uh, as recent developments happen with Facebook page owners that could attest to. But Facebook, still has 1.3 billion users. And I, I want to say still half of those users go on to Facebook every single day. Now, everyone says, well, I should start my own social network. And you know what? Maybe they should. But what you also have to remember is even if you start up your own social network, you need to have enough people there that it actually builds up so you could actually have something that would be powerful enough that not just it would take over Facebook, but it would be valuable enough for people to join. The reason why people left MySpace was there were enough people on Facebook that they could actually have conversations there. 
people didn't want to leave MySpace at first for Facebook because they thought that no one they knew was on Facebook. Once they discovered all their friends were on there, they all joined. One of the fastest growing segments in the US, and this is always something that I quote, and this has been so for the past few years, is is women aged, I, think, I want to say 45 to 65. And the reason why that's true is because they're going on Facebook to actually watch pictures of their grandchildren. So you have the biggest subset and the biggest growth in Facebook being grandmothers. That's awesome because that means that they're going on there to see everybody that they know. If you have four developers and they come together, they can create the best platform you've ever seen. But if it's not, if it's a social network and there's no one on there, that's it's not social and it's still not as good as Facebook. That's amazing. That is, I hope everyone's listening to what you just said because that is freaking amazing advice right there, my friend. Um, Thank you. So, do you think that can we um, branch off and talk a little bit about social media? Uh, yeah, so, of course. I can talk social media all day. So. Let's talk about the social networks that are available to entrepreneurs. You have Facebook that is consistently changing itself and making all of us mad. Um, obviously, you read is what I read recently, and then the first week of December, Facebook jacked up all the pages. Who knows if it was unintentionally or intentionally by changing the algorithm of the main discovery newsfeed and how it functions. And, yeah. you know, What's interesting is that entrepreneurs could go on Facebook, they could go on Instagram, they could go on Twitter. The one thing that I love about Twitter is that it has stayed consistently the same and actually gotten better over time. And as a result, media outlets such as movies and television shows are now increasingly using hashtags and Twitter user profiles. For instance, when I watch one of my top favorite shows, Shark Tank, and when the show opens up and you see Mark Cuban, it shows his Twitter handle. And I love that. And I love that they're having that integration, which you see not as much Facebook integration into traditional media. And I know that some people are saying, oh, television might be fading. It might be going more on the Internet. But not talking about television here. We're talking about social media networks. Which social network would you say – is the best one for entrepreneurs to focus on in 2014 out of all the ones available to them. Okay, well that's a that's a tough question. Or which <laughs> well, uh, that, I let mean, me okay, I, I could answer it. I just sure. uh, well I, let me let me give you one. My answer is this: wherever your clients are on, you should be going on there. It's yes. not as much about the platform as it is about where your target market is. So that's why, for example, if you're a financial planner, I tell you to go on LinkedIn and don't go anywhere else because you really, well, one, half the time you're banned from Facebook and Twitter anyways because financial planning companies have their own issues with that. But for financial planners, you go on LinkedIn. If, if you're in most industries right now, what I would say as an alternative to Facebook, and a lot of people will cringe at this, but I would probably say Google Plus. Uh, it's for for me over the past few months, it's become one of the best, if not the best, social network in terms of connections, in terms of 
traffic my first month to my my new blog startup gap i'm not even halfway through i mean this is not huge numbers but this is the first month this is my first month uh actually blogging i've had i've already hit about 1100 1200 visits the first the first half of the fir of the first month me blogging which means in the first two three weeks i've hit about 1200 visits now i'll probably hit a, around 2000 sometime this month so in one month, I'll get that in about 15 to 20% of that will come from Google+. Plus. That's incredible. So that's about three to 400 visits right there. I love that, those metrics. Can you, yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about how you're using Google+, Plus and why you think it's this great tool that a lot of people may not be embracing? Okay, three reasons. One, it's, it's one of the best ways to connect with online market thinkers in this industry in in a lot of the online marketing industries a lot of them are turning to google plus because of the fact that it's not polluted with the junk that you see on other social networks twitter goes by too fast and i think facebook because they eliminate so much when i go through facebook it shows me it shows me the the, the post for my my sister my wife my father and my mom, and maybe one or two of my good friends. It doesn't show me all the different people that I might want to interact with. And they've, they've limited the algorithm to such a degree. I love my family. I also go on Facebook not to, I, look, I see my wife every single morning when I get up. I don't need to see her Facebook post. <laughs> what I really need to see is, I, I need to see what's going on in my industry. That's why I'm on there, I'm there for business. So. It doesn't understand that and Google Plus is still an open network they haven't really got into those filters unless you really choose to which you could actually create your own circles so that's the first thing I, I, I know it's a little bit of a lengthy answer but no that's great you, you have you you have an, an open network where you could actually see what's going on in your industry and actually track it second thing I would say is that I have created some amazing relationships over the past year on Google Plus and the hangouts that you could do on there are phenomenal. I mean, if you you have in a social network a webinar system, that to me far and away defeats any other social network for that one reason. While Google Hangouts might have some of their hangups, they do have an amazing system. And the fact that you could do it on air and broadcast it to YouTube is ridiculously amazing. And, and Startup Gap, that's how we're driving a lot of our Google Plus traffic is we're doing Google Hangouts on air. The, the third thing that I think is just really essential is if you want to get search traffic, you need plus ones. If you don't know what a plus one is, you have to go on Google Plus because what they've done is instead of having likes like you have on Facebook, you have plus ones. And those plus ones are social metrics that Google is tracking to decide whether or not your website should get more traffic. And in the next year or so, those social those social metrics will become even more and more important. They're already important. They're already in their algorithm. But I think as we continue to move forward, if you don't have good social metrics from Google Plus, you're going to find it very hard to not get. To, you're going to find it very hard to get SEO traffic. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Can can we um, slow down and talk a little bit more about Google Plus. I'm really intrigued to learn more about this from you and share this with who's listening. What should we be posting 
on our Google Plus profiles. I've been on Google Plus, I know what it looks like, and but if you can share a little more about how you got so much of a reach on there and, and what kind of content have you been posting? A lot of the content that I'm posting, I mean, I, I post my blog posts everywhere. So that for me, it doesn't matter what platform I, I, I wanna share my blog post. That for me is my main content. So I know not everybody is as crazy as I am about blogging because I, I used to blog every day for almost three, four years, and I'm now down to about three to four times a week, which I call like a vacation. And the the other thing is, is that you, you want to make sure you have good pictures. One of the things that I've noticed about Google Plus is that because you can't syndicate it like you can on Facebook, for those of you who have ever used Hootsuite or Social Loom for some type of automation software, you can go on Hootsuite and you can automate your post to Facebook. So whenever you have a blog post, it, when you have a pro Hootsuite account, it automatically sends it off to Facebook and you, it gets posted there. With Google+, you actually physically have to post it on the site. Or if you have a plus one button like through Dig, you could use that to actually post it from your site. One of the things that means is that you could add images, which are definitely encouraged. You should also have a good introduction. Uh, one thing that I think is really amazing about Google+, is that unlike the other social networks, you could actually bold your words. So if you want to create like a little mini post about your blog post and summarize everything, you could actually do that and even create like a little header with a bold, with, and bold the first line. Then you can go in and you could describe what, what the post is about, why people should read it, have a call to action, and then you could use hashtags so people could find it just like you would on Twitter. That's incredible. So, Sounds like... Yeah. Google Plus has really gone forward quite a bit. I've been on Google Plus for a while, and I'll admit I haven't utilized it as best as I should, but I think that everyone who's listening, including myself, has learned something about Google Plus and how it really can work wonders for us, as it sounds. And when we join Google Plus, is let's say someone's listening, they're not on Google Plus, they go and they join. What is the easiest? couple of, let's say three things to do right when you join. I know that you suggested three things they should be doing, um, but they join the page. If you join, you, you join, make sure you set up your profile. That's, that's always the first thing. I, I always tell people, whatever you do, set up your profile first uh, and make sure you have a good picture. And so, because, you know, someone just brought it up to me today. They said, you know, Andy, I saw your picture on LinkedIn and you look really good. I've never noticed that before. I'm like, and they're looking at me right in the face as they're saying this. I said, thanks, I think. They said, no, well, you look confident in your photo. And it's the same photo I've had up for like five, six years. But she's like, yeah, that was really cool. I said, yeah, thank you, I think. Because, you know, that apparently means I'm not confident <laughs> in real life, but, you know. So I think that wasn't a backhanded compliment. I think she really meant it as a compliment. Uh, but have a good picture up because that tells people a little bit about you. I always use the picture when I got engaged to my wife. I We were in Key West, and there's a picture I used. She took it when we were – because I proposed to her when we were out in the ocean. And she took a picture of me, like, right before right after, so when I was, like, sweating bullets. But apparently I look good sweating bullets, so I've used that for all my <laughs> photos. And then it, it just transmits something to somebody if you have a similar picture so people can associate with who you are. 
Second thing that I would say is that once you're done with your profile, join some communities and start interacting with people on those communities. Because if you find some quality communities where you could actually appreciate people and actually interact with them and understand what they're saying and you feel like you could build a relationship, you could do so much with those people on there. You don't need to have a million people if you have a solid core group of people following you. The third thing I would say is if you do want to hyperspeed your, your Google Plus growth, and this is something I've always found really cool, I, I do actually, I don't know if the word cur curate is the right word for this, but I would use shared circles. Uh, Michael Q. Todd, who is like a Google Plus genius, he is on, he has like these shared circles that he puts out. I know Scott Bueller does some. Uh, well, there's a few people who do some really good ones and they will have these shared circles with like 500 people in them and you can add 500 people all at once. And the probably about half to a third of those people will follow you back. You could then use something called uh, cir uh, circle scope and you could unfollow the ones who don't follow you. But if you really want to start gaining people, what, what they're doing is they're giving you targeted circles of their best connections and you could follow those people. And if you follow 500 people and all at once, it saves you the time for having to do it all by yourself because the shared circles, it's not only about the quantity, it's about the quality. Because when Michael Q. Todd shares a circle, I know he's sharing good people with me. And I know he's not just sharing like weirdos who I should be afraid of. So I'll go on there and I'll follow those people and they're quality people who can now interact with my content. They could start engaging with me. We could build relationships because I'm someone of the person that believes that if you go wide in connections and then you could find the deep real easily in terms of the good people who stand out. That's brilliant. And that's something that I never knew that you can follow 500 people at once. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. It just, I know CircleScope, I think they just went to a full paid model because I haven't been on there in a few weeks because I, I just haven't had a chance to go on there. But they, it's been amazing because it's just, you know, I, I follow, I probably, it, it, at a certain point, once you start following those people enough times, like I know Michael Cutad, I, I generally share his circles once they've gone on. He, he knows I engage with people. So he'll, he'll add me to the circle. So not only can I be adding 500 people at one time, if you're one of those 500 people that he adds, people start following you as well. And then that can lead to connections and website traffic and Absolutely. potential interviews for Startup Gap. Absolutely. And that's a lot of what I'm looking at. And it's, you know, I don't follow every single person back. There, there's, you know, I, you know, I, I have different rules about this. If I follow anyway. you, you better follow me back, okay, Andy? Well, you, uh, well, right. you, I will definitely follow back. <laughs> I, I, that wasn't the thing. I was gonna say it's like, you know, part of it is that, I, you know, look, if I if I don't see a picture of somebody, I'm not gonna follow them back. That's one of the things. Like, or if I, it's not a picture of their face, then I don't really want to follow them back because I want to actually see who they are. Things like that, or they don't put their full name in there. I don't follow you back. Um, one of the things that. Yeah, I don't like to follow pages as much because I would rather follow people. That's a very good 
quote right yeah. there. I like that. That should that should be printed on a t-shirt. What's that? The I don't, I don't like pages. I like people. Thank you. Uh, you heard it here first, people. We heard it here first. It's gonna be printed. You can buy it from 1995 starting tonight. Um, so it sounds to me that Google Plus is really a strong business, authentic ecosystem versus Facebook is the world of you don't know what it's going to change, when it's going to change, or how it's going to affect you. Oh, I mean, Google changes all the time. Sure. Don't, don't, but I'm not telling you it does. With these circles – and the opportunities of these circles, it sounds like it's a really good ecosystem for business owners, especially who want mm -hmm. to grow in 2014. Absolutely. And one of the things that they've been starting to track is um, who did – oh, it was um, – oh, man. It was Mike Alton. I think, I think that's – yeah, that sounds right. Um, I think I'm saying the right name. If not, I could check – I could double check later on because I know I commented on his post. Uh, he did a post on – how he did he 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 put the same post on Facebook as on his Facebook page as he put on Google Plus, and I think he had roughly the same number of followers on both. And what happened was that his Google Plus page had like ten times the amount of engagement as his Facebook page, because the Facebook page is no longer getting traction. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so it's just. That's part of the reason why I've started shifting focus because I've, I've started noticing the same thing. Like if you look on my blog posts, and, and part of this is probably because I've started shifting focus. I, I like, Okay, so here, the Christy Hines post. Oh, this isn't really accurate because I had about the same, but I haven't really shared it that much on Google Plus yet. But most of the time when I'm sharing stuff on, on Google Plus, I'll get like 50 shares or something like that per post. And I'll get the same amount on Twitter, but then I'll get maybe 15 to 20 on on Facebook. Interesting. So it, it's – I mean I'll get – actually, but what I've noticed is that the people who do like it on Facebook will actually come by the site more though. Really? Yeah, I don't know if that's just a weird thing, but yeah. Mm. So What's interesting yeah. is that since we're mentioning Facebook – did you read the same metrics that I did that's been kind of going around the internet the last few weeks that with Facebook changing their discovery algorithm for their newsfeed recently, it's really dramatically affecting the way that how many times and how many people see your posts now for pages? Oh, yeah. My – my um, what's it called there? Um, what's their metric called? The, uh, the way that they determine who sees it, the edge rank. Edge rank. Yep. Yeah, their edge rank had in their edge. My edge rank is so low right now. And I'll be honest, I've never truly focused on my fan page as a source because I've always been a little leery of a company that said that has basically outright said that fan pages aren't really equal to regular pages. Like one of the things I like about Google Plus is Google Plus pages. You can basically do it's basically like a second profile page. It's not like it's not like Facebook where it's just like a thing that they put on the side afterwards after they're finished because they had to do it for companies. Otherwise, they, they, they would have to delete half the accounts. That's amazing. So, yeah, but um, one of – so I was just bringing up before. So here, let me give you – I'm sorry. I just want to give you statistics because I want to give numbers. I want numbers. 
I, I, that's why I want to I give you some actual. So this is a post I did, Andrew Carnegie, the original rags to riches tale. I posted this December 8th. I had 58 tweets on it. I had, well, I had one stumble upon, I had one stumble. I had 32 likes. I had 57 plus one, six uh, LinkedIn shares, and my Pinterest pins are not coming up. And then I also had five buff. I had five people buff it, buffer it. I don't know how you say that. I don't know how the adjective works there. Incredible. So you're yeah. having just as much or more Google shares than or as Facebook. Yeah, and same and same thing here. Yeah, like this is the same one. This is uh, from December twelfth. This is the interview I did with Amy Baxter from Buzzy. Uh, Thirty-one tweets, uh, one stumble upon, fourteen likes. Uh, 36 plus ones to LinkedIn shares. That's incredible. So the only one, the it, it's, and even even here, so Albert Einstein, the one I did over the weekend, uh, 44 tweets, 47 stumbles, nine likes, 28 plus ones, four Google share, or four LinkedIn shares. So here in this so, information, what days of the week are your favorite, or would you say the most popular days to post on Google Plus and on your blog? Actually, what I found is that weekends, like Friday or Friday, Saturday or Sunday, I'm still playing around with this because I'm not 100% sure yet. But Friday, Saturday or Sunday is actually the best for the historical figures. Um, I've been doing, I've been posting on Sundays because I didn't, I, I didn't want to post Saturday because I figure most people aren't checking it. But Sunday is actually an interesting day because people are at home and they're more willing to read stuff. I've seen so that actually, on my blog too. Yeah, I actually am getting – I used to never post on the weekends because I always had the assumption that I wouldn't get good traffic. But this blog, I've actually been posting because I do the, I do the interviews on Tuesdays, and that gets decent traffic. And then I do the uh, – I'll do the um, – I'll do the follow-up the next day on a Wednesday. And I've noticed that I get okay traffic to that, but it hasn't been as good as the historical figures on the weekend, which I thought was kind of weird. Interesting. So, because I, I just assumed that the people who were alive would get more traffic. <laughs> well, people apparently care more about historical figures. Yeah, people like historical figures rather than live people. I get it. They do. Well, okay. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. And I can tell you what, I learned a whole heck of a lot. And I am so thankful for all the information that you shared. And if you can tell us, where are you getting those metrics from? Is it a social media analytics program you're using? Actually, I'm just looking on my site right now because I wasn't really prepared to come out with numbers. So I just opened up my, my blog. So I, I wish I had something fancy here. That's fine. I opened up my blog and started reading the numbers. That's fantastic. So um, please, Andy, give us your shout out. Tell us your Twitter, Twitter handle, um, your website, where we can find you. Any exciting news about Startup Gap that you're excited to share in the coming months, go ahead. Microphone is yours. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Come join us Startup Gap. We're going to be actually, like I said, Stephen's going to be our first guest uh, January 7th. 
and you go to startupgap.com, you can actually watch the interviews live. We even have Google Docs so people can take joint notes. And we have a chat session there so people can get involved. Also, for those of you who are looking for a little bit more and you want to get started as an entrepreneur, we're in beta right now, so I don't guarantee this is perfect. But we actually are starting up our membership right now so people can actually get ready for the new year. And that's at startupgap.com forward slash member. And we can find you on Twitter, Google Plus, oh. Facebook, your blog. Yeah, every uh, Twitter is Andy Nathan. Google Plus is uh, plus Google forward slash plus Andy Nathan. So same as how you would normally do it. So, and then my blog. You could also check me out at andynathan.net. Thank you once again to Andy Nathan for joining us today. I believe we can all walk away with a great wealth of information and how to grow in our journey as entrepreneurs. You can follow Andy online at StartupGap.com. Remix is giving away a free copy of Gary Vaynerchuk's brand new book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. You can enter to win on our blog at Remix.us. The contest ends on December 31st. If you've loved the awesome music at the start of today's show, it's provided by our friend DJ Steve Powers from New York City. Please go check him out at DJSteVePowers.com. Thank you for listening. This has been episode one of Remix Radio, and I'm your host, founder of Remix Design and Media, Stephen Knuth. This episode was recorded in Nashville, Tennessee. You can follow me online at remix.us, at Stephen Knuth on Twitter. You can also like us on Facebook and add me into your circle on Google+. We'll see you next week for episode two of Remix Radio. Have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.